Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40. If you're searching for inspiring and easy to apply Enneagram and human design content, then you've come to the right place. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two friends and coaches who are passionate about sharing our knowledge and insights on these two powerful self-awareness systems to help you step outside the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're so grateful to have you here. Let's jump into today's episode. Okay, listeners, I am super excited. I know Carrie is super excited for today's episode. And actually, we are going to be sharing with you a three-part series all about connecting with our three centers of intelligence. And we're really going to be diving into the difference but similarities when it comes to the Enneagram and human design and these three centers that we're bringing your attention to. And what I'm really excited about, Carrie, is that I I believe that the more awareness we have as individuals about these centers that we're going to talk about, then the greater change we can create within our lives, the more deliberate we can be instead of reactive. And I'm just thrilled to share this information. I know our listeners are going to really get tremendous value out of this because it all comes to awareness being the first step to creating greater change in your life. Beautifully said, yes. I think this is a really interesting topic for us to discuss because both frameworks that we talk about on here, the Enneagram and human design, utilize these ideas and they weave together really beautifully in a way that can be really beneficial to understanding that as a human, we are more than just our mind or we are more than just our body. We have these different centers within us that are working together on a daily basis in our decision-making, in our behavior, in our feeling of things. So I'm really excited to talk more about this. When we talk about centers of intelligence, that is an Enneagram phrase. And the three centers that we're referring to within the Enneagram framework are the head center, sometimes also called the mental center, the heart center, and then the gut or body center. So today we are going to be focusing on the head center in our conversation, and then the following two episodes will focus on the other two centers. And then within human design, Dominique is going to tell us how some of the energetic centers within our human design chart can overlay or mirror these centers of intelligence within the Enneagram system. Yeah, I'm super excited for that because you and I always geek out just in our own conversations about how well these systems overlap and how great of the the knowledge that it can bring in really bettering someone's life because I've seen it in my life. I know you've seen it in your life and we'll exchange thoughts on you sharing stuff about human design that you're noticing in your life and I'm sharing stuff about Enneagram and it's wonderful to see how complementary they are. When it comes to human design, when I'm sharing about the three centers that I'm going to talk about, energy centers, they're the 
head and ajna, which kind of combine to create the mind, specifically the ajna and the spleen and emotional solar plexus. And these are actually called three awareness centers. So I think this is going to be, again, just great conversation. And for you listeners out there, if you have any questions that pop up after listening to this episode, or you just simply want to share some feedback or have any other questions related to human design or the Enneagram, see the show notes below because we have a link there where you can fill out a questionnaire and be featured possibly in an upcoming episode. So one of the things that can be really beneficial and becoming more aware of your different centers of intelligence are how you are using your centers productively or unproductively. So when we're talking specifically about our mental space or our head center, this is where as a collective whole, we have spent a lot of our time in the last few hundred years as humans. Our brains developed very quickly. They are very large and complicated and can do all of these different things. And so we have learned to sort of over rely on our minds. We have started doing things with our minds that maybe would be better done in other centers of our body. We analyze our feelings through our minds. We analyze and make decisions through our minds. And these things are able to be done in other centers. So when we're using our minds in unproductive ways, think about times when you have ruminated on something or your anxiety in your mind, which is different from anxiety in your body, starts spinning and you start spiraling through what ifs and have tos and shoulds, racing thoughts, those sorts of things. These are unproductive functions of our mental center. Dominique, are there any ideas coming to you in terms of looking at our human design charts and anything that our head or Ajna center indicates that maybe we're more susceptible to having these kinds of mental functions? Yeah, I love how you bring up the the difference between the mind and body and how many of us, the majority of us, get so stuck in our minds and try to make decisions from there that we, we completely bypass the gut feeling, that intuitive knowing within the body. And as a coach who focuses on nervous system regulation and now with human design, teaching that it is your body that is the source of wisdom and where you're going to be finding the actual answers with anxieties, mental overwhelm that really comes from a sense of alarm in the body when we're off track that then starts to create a lot of overwhelm in our minds. And going back to human design, teaching that it's within our bodies that we're meant to make our decisions. The Ajna is actually the second oldest awareness system in human design out of the three. It's an energy center where mental overwhelm and anxieties and fears can come up. And every single one of the three awareness centers I share about, there's specific fears that are connected to the gates in these centers. And I'll be sharing a little bit more about that. If you look at your own chart, you can better understand how certain fears might be playing out in your life and how having greater awareness 
awareness of this can really remove a lot of judgment and guilt and blame and shame because it's simply our body, our consciousness trying to create a sense of safety and certainty, but we get to choose how we want to respond versus react. We're not saying to totally disconnect from your mind because obviously our minds and our heads can serve us very well. There are so many amazing Mm -hmm. things that our minds can do for us. And some of the more productive functions of the mental center are things like rationality, reasoning, learning, reading. We have to use our mental center when we read. Any kind of logical problem solving or planning ahead for things, which as humans in our society, we have to have that ability to make plans ahead of time. Even using mantras or positive affirmations come from our mental center. It might connect us to one of our other centers while we're doing it, but it is a function of our mental center. And with the Ash, like what you're saying, it's an important part of us, of course. And when we look at the Ajna, this is the the center for processing information, for analysis and storage of information and ideas. And in the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that the head and Ajna come together and create the mind. In human design, the head is where inspiration and creativity starts. Then it filters through the Ajna, which is where we then form our ideas our opinions, our thoughts about something. So this is where the whole process of creation starts for sure, but it's not where we make our decisions necessarily. So I think it's really important to make use of different practices. A lot of them you already mentioned, Carrie, that is just really making note of all the beautiful ideas and thoughts that you have, but to also recognize that it doesn't have to be a this or that when you are really making decisions and thinking about even the beliefs that you have and more of just keeping more of that open-mindedness. An interesting part of the Enneagram system is that within these three centers of intelligence, each center is where three of the nine Enneagram types connects maybe the easiest or sometimes over relies on. So today for the head center, the three Enneagram types in that center are Enneagram types five, six, and seven. Within this center, there are some themes that people who lead with this Enneagram type may share. So for example, they have a common focus of focusing on strategies and beliefs. And this is how they process through different decisions and maybe how their behavior shows up. They also have a common desire for safety and security that's of importance to these three types, as well as having some issues with insecurity and trust. So for type five, if they feel any kind of difficulty or threat to their strategy or belief system, they tend to flee inward because they have fear about aspects of the outside world. So they go into their minds, which feel like a safe place for them. They rely on their knowledge. They go to deeper learning. For type seven, they go more outward. They flee outward because they 
are fearing more aspects of their inner world because generally speaking, Enneagram type sevens don't like feeling those negative or darker emotions. So they try to distract themselves with activities and excitement and adventures outside of themselves. Then for type six, which is one of the anchor points on the triangle of the Enneagram shape, makes them a little bit more complicated. They flee both inward and outward. So they flee inward when they want to avoid external threats. They flee outward when they want to try to ignore their own internal fears. So they always have this push and pull struggle. They tend to be a type that spends a lot of time in their mind within the head center in unproductive ways through spiraling thoughts and because they do have this push-pull of fleeing inward and outward. That's really cool. As you're talking about this, I'm really just thinking about like defined versus undefined when it comes to the Ajna and so much of that similarity to what you're explaining right now with the Enneagram types. We always find similarities Mm. between our systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And fun fact, you and I both have a defined Ajna. And as you were talking about uh, one of the types with the defined Ajna, it's a beautiful thing because we can have a very fixed way of thinking. We can have strong opinions, strong beliefs, a strong certainty about things that we're really passionate about. We're always on with a defined Ajna. However, that can lead to overthinking, over-processing, too much desire for certainty can also potentially be stubborn too, because we won't easily be swayed with our thoughts and beliefs and over-reliance on the mind, over-reliant with making decisions from our mind. Whereas an undefined ashna, I think is such a beautiful thing because those who have undefined ashnas, which again, if you're not aware, an undefined ashna is going to be white on your chart, defined is going to be colored in. But an undefined ashna, because they are receiving energy from outside of themselves, from transits, from other people in their environment, they also amplify. So they're very open-minded. They can be very fluid and flexible with their thinking. They're taking in all these different ideas and thoughts, can see many sides to an issue. Some amazing authors and specialists in psychology, Carl Jung is someone actually who had an undefined ashna, so can really look at so many different things from so many different sides. And the beauty of that, again, is the wisdom of seeing and being able to look at all different angles and be able to inspire others to do the same as well. But with an undefined ashna, there can be fears that are magnified because of amplifying energy and the fears that are within the gates. It can be a fear of not having the answers, not being certain about something. So it's always a beautiful thing to look at how you are defined or undefined, and to know that we all have all of the chart. We all have an Ajna. We have access to the gates in the Ajna. But the beauty of it is we get to decide how we use this energy center and whether we want to really express it on a high end or if we are potentially falling into the low end, then looking at it and say, okay, how can we shift out of this? You have choice. It's all choice, but it starts in having the awareness about it. 
isn't there something, Dominique, when you're looking at your chart and my chart together where we have the complete connection mm -hmm. of channels when you overlay our charts between the Ajna and the throat? And the throat. Yeah. So the, the channels are the lines and one gate from either end, if they connect, they create a whole channel. You have two channels on your own that connects the Ashna to the throat. And I have the other one, there's three channels and I have the other one. So combined, when you put our charts together, we create full connection between the channels of the Ashna and the throat. So we are literally here to share our thoughts, our beliefs. And I just think, again, one of the coolest things ever, and this is why we also connected so well when we first were getting to know each other. And every single one of us, has tremendous gifts that are revealed through your body graph, through your chart in human design. And it was something that I was thrilled about because for me, I had a lot of fear around sharing my ideas and thoughts and my voice. But this awareness is what helped me work through the fears. When it comes to the gates on the Ashna, I'm just going to do a quick run through because a lot can be explained about them, but there's six gates in the Ashna and these are potential fears. Gate 47 is a fear of not being able to make sense of confusion. 24 is the fear of not knowing the answer or not being able to explain something clearly. Gate four, which you actually have, Carrie, is the fear of never finding the answers and will potentially always be in chaos. So there's this need to find an answer and to actually give an answer to something. And the gate 11, which is what I have, is potentially fear of not having stimulating ideas or fear about sharing ideas. So when I look at that, there was a lot of fear of me sharing my thoughts and ideas because they were different. They were a little bit strange. So the 43, which is the next one, you have this one as well. Fear that your ideas are too weird mm -hmm. and will be rejected. So there's that need to make sense to everyone that you're sharing those ideas with. And the last gate is gate 17, fear of your ideas being challenged. So there's this need to have all of the details because your ideas could potentially be challenged if they don't make sense to somebody else. I find now, it so interesting yeah. that mm -hmm. when talking about the head center, when I was talking about the Enneagram types that fall into the head center, when you're talking about these different gates that we hold so much fear in our minds, which you would think fear mm -hmm. is something we feel in our bodies when our nervous systems kick in, which obviously happens yep. as well. Yeah. But a lot of the fears we all have in modern society today are made up fears in our minds that then our exactly. minds create into something bigger and it paralyzes us from moving forward when we're actually not in any real fear at all. Yeah. There's no threat. There's no life or death threat necessarily. But yeah, it's so true. We build this fear upon ourselves. And this is why in the beginning of this episode, we said the greater awareness you have and understanding of these particular fears, then you have greater choice to change that, to shift it, to work on it, to just recognize it and be like, okay, 
yep, the fear is there. I can sit with it. I can feel it. But you know what? I'm going to take a baby step forward to push through it. And I'm saying that because that's exactly what I did. I took little baby steps to push through the fears that I had in these particular awareness centers that we're going to be talking more about, specifically the Ashna. As I mentioned, I have the gate 11, which is the fear of not having stimulating ideas or just sharing those ideas because of my desire at the time, I wanted to fit in. I wanted people to enjoy my ideas, relate to them, but that's never going to happen. I'm not going to have 100% of the people I meet relate to my ideas or even agree with them. Wow. And that's so interesting because in conjunction with your Enneagram type, which is type nine, type nines want to be accepted. Like this is a big deal for people who are type nines. And so in order to do that, they've been conditioned and learned through managing their own behaviors to bend to other people's opinions and suppress their own ideas and opinions because they'll just be accepted if they're easy to get along with. Yeah, boy. Yep, that definitely hits home for sure. And another big one for me too, and I think is important to mention about the Ajna is that it's not the source of where we are necessarily meant to make our decisions, but we're really holding on to thoughts, ideas, beliefs in this area with allowing some fluidity, open-mindedness at the same time, but then following our strategy and authority in human design is how we're actually going to be led to sharing it because this area of the graph is a projected area, which means it, it's best to be invited to share in order for our thoughts to be really heard by the other, then the energy has to match up. And that's, that's a big difference in human design is that it's a place where we hold on to things. We really kind of get everything lined up. We make those lists if we need to, but then it's about waiting for the right moment to share it so that it's received the way we want it to be received. So let's talk about some ideas for how to come into a healthier place of alignment within our own head center. I think the first thing that is important to say is just starting to cultivate that awareness and recognizing when we're using our mental center in an unproductive or self-sabotaging way. So if you notice that you're ruminating on something and you're just thinking about it over and over without action, without a game plan, and you're just allowing your mind to take over, this is a good time to just stop and recognize you don't have to necessarily stop doing it but recognize that you are doing it and that alone might help break you out of the cycle. Yeah, I love that one because a lot of the times when I work with my coaching clients, we talk a lot about pausing before responding, reacting, whatever you want to call it, but it's pausing. And when I think about having a defined Ashna myself and being very strong with my opinions and beliefs, it's easy for me to want to blurt something out but that's when recognizing like, hey, we all have different opinions and beliefs and thoughts. And that is a beautiful thing about being human. Let me just pause here and respond appropriately. Listen to the other person or, or whoever it might be to just be more deliberate. Right. And trying to find just in that moment when you take that pause or have that moment of awareness of unproductive mental center action happening and finding something the mind can do in that moment 
to help break out of it. So when you take that pause, maybe take three deep belly breaths. So you take the biggest breath you can and blow it out through your mouth. Just help reset things and put yourself on a different mental path. Yeah, I love that because that brings you back into your body. One thing that we love to talk about here is the importance of play, which is just a modality of creativity for us. And being creative doesn't necessarily mean being an artist or a writer, how we would typically think of being creative, but just play, something that has no agenda that can really pull you out of that mental overwhelm and the mental anxiety that can come with ruminating and just being stuck in the mind. So finding something that makes you feel a little bit lighter, I think is another beautiful way besides the different types of body work, breath work. For me, yoga is one of those things. If I find myself just sitting too long in my thoughts and ideas. And a tip for if you're at work, or somewhere where in this moment you catch yourself in an unproductive mental process and you're like, I can't play right now, I can't do yoga. A great mm -hmm. thing to do is to continue using your mind, but find a more productive process. So if you're at work and something is going wrong or you're panicking about something and you feel these spiraling thoughts happen, maybe shift your mental focus just into something more productive. Start reading something at work or if there's some sort of training you need to be doing, maybe move into that so your mind goes into learning mode. If you have to problem solve something, Try getting into problem-solving mode in terms of a project you're working on. Don't do any decision-making or analyzing emotions and relationships in that moment when you catch yourself ruminating on something. Use that mind energy in a more productive way. Yeah, I love that because obviously not every one of us is going to have access or the ability to just up and even go walk outside and be in nature. Another thing that I use when I'm at the clinic is music. If I have a couple of minutes or on my lunch break, I will play music and I have created music playlists that shift my nervous system out of different states, whether I'm in heightened state and feeling a little bit nervous or high energy versus if I'm feeling really low and just blah. So I think that could be another really easy one for people to try out. So hopefully today's episode has given you some food for thought. And our hope is to just make everyone a little bit more aware that we don't have to stay stuck in our minds when we feel like our mind in that moment is not serving us very well. Hopefully you heard something today that will help you get out of those unproductive mental spaces and connect in a more productive efficient way that you can move forward with your life and having a more aligned and authentic way of living. Yeah. And I think the important part on top of what you're saying, Carrie, is remembering that showing ourselves compassion is so crucial. It's easy for every one of us to get stuck in our minds everything we're going to be sharing over the weeks, it's not going to be easy to just simply apply. But again, going back to the start of having the awareness, knowing that these are patterns and habits that you've had for a very long time, and it's going to take time to switch those. 
It's all about having greater compassion and love for yourself as you are doing the work. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your support is so appreciated. If you'd like to have a question answered about your human design or Enneagram type in a future episode, you can submit it through the link in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you.